Uh, today, I want to do the first of a two-part series uh, called Hooked, and it is evangelistic in nature. One of our core values here at City Church is culturally relevant evangelism, that God has called us and he has created us as Christ followers to be others-centered, all right, and to be uh, 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 faithful to the great commission that Jesus gave the disciples 2,000 years ago. Now, when Jesus said, go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that was not just a commandment. That was not just an instruction for the 12 disciples who followed Jesus for three and a half years. That commission, that commandment, that instruction belongs to us today. What I've discovered, though, uh, over the years, being a Christ follower and eventually a pastor, is that most believers go through their personal walk with Christ, never personally leading anyone in the prayer of salvation, or never personally introducing someone to Jesus. If I were to ask you to raise your hand this morning and ask how many have personally, not bringing anybody to church, but personally walking someone to the cross, and bringing them to a place where they trusted Christ for the first time, most of us couldn't say we've done it. Now, why do I say that? Not to be critical or judgmental, but I want us all to become aware of the urgency with which we must change our orientation of who we are as Christians. We have the solution, I want you to hear this now, we have the solution to all the world's problems in the person of Jesus. If you held the cure to cancer, if you had the secret cure to AIDS, I can guarantee you, you would be shouting it from the rooftop and cutting deals to make billions of dollars. Yet we have the solution to every marital problem, to every purpose question, every solution to every relational challenge, and we keep it to ourselves. When it comes to sharing our faith as Christians, we've become comfortable living as secret agents. I'm going to be saved, but ain't nobody going to know I'm saved. In fact, I've got this amazing answer to your problem but I'm just going to put it in a can and sit on it. I ain't going to tell you. I'm going to keep it to myself. Listen, guys, as we, in fact, we're almost at the halfway point in the season of Lent. For those who aren't familiar with the tradition of Lent, Lent is a 40-day countdown, a 40-day countdown to Easter. And it's a time that's set aside for people to reflect many fast during that time and refocus their faith in Christ and, and find a place where they can, they can say, you know what, Lord, if you're going to send a revival, then start the revival in me. It's one of the reasons that Mardi Gras, y'all ready for this? It's one of the reasons that Mardi Gras precedes Ash Wednesday. Because Mardi Gras is about getting all of your lasciviousness, get your freak on and get it out of you. Because when Ash Wednesday comes, 
It's a time of separation and consecration to God for 40 days. Many of us don't even know that's what Mardi Gras is about. I'm going to get it all out of me because for the next 40 days, I ain't even going to go there. We're approximately 19 days into Lent. Now, can I just say this? Uh, our church is a non-denominational church. And so most non-denominational church, you know, we, we kick and we push back against tradition. But how many of you realize just because it's old doesn't mean it's obsolete? And there's a whole lot of stuff that we do in the church that's new, but how many of you realize that just because it's new doesn't mean it's necessary? Tradition still matters. And as we, we're, we're sort of this 19th or 20th day of Lent, we're counting down to Easter, the most important moment in all of human history. It happened on that cross, but it didn't end on the cross. It culminated with the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the third day. This is the message that we have been entrusted. This is the message. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because, here's why, you and I shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, this solution that we have, because it is the power of God unto salvation. This gospel, this message that Jesus came, died, and rose again is the power, it's the very power of God unto salvation. And that word salvation has to do more with just somebody praying a prayer. It means a radically transformed life. You and I have a message that has the potential and the power to radically transform one life at a time. And Jesus has says, you know what, has said, you know what, I'm going to entrust this message to my church so that they can change the world through the proclamation of this simple message. And can I say this to you, City Church? It is not just limited to what happens here on Sunday morning. Everywhere your feet are planted has become your mission field. Not halfway across the world in Africa, not selling everything you have to move to Central or South America. Every single morning when you walk out your door, you are setting foot on a mission field that God has intentionally and purposely carved out for you because there are people all around you who desperately need to be introduced to the Jesus that you and I know. Don't get it twisted. The job and the influence is not just about you paying bills. That's a byproduct but you have been strategically positioned by God right where you are with the people you've been, uh, 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 con the people you're connected with right now at this critical moment because God wants for you to be his messenger, his ambassador to reach them. And if I were to ask the question again, most of us would say, man, I've never walked anybody through this process of encountering Jesus personally. I've never brought anybody to the cross. I've never led anybody in this life-transforming prayer that can change the trajectory of their lives. And I would be remiss. I would be doing you a disservice as your pastor if I didn't challenge you in this area. Because that's what God has called each of us to do. 
In fact, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? He has placed us on the earth right now. And we, we say all these catchy, cliche things. Uh, I'm still on earth because I got a purpose. I'm still on earth because I've, God's got a reason for me to still be here. And we totally lose sight of the obvious. That the reason you and I are still here is to reach more people. Why else would we be here? To work harder and buy another house? Buy another car? No, really, honestly, why on earth do you think you're still here? If the ultimate reason and purpose that you and I are still here is not to reach other people, what, what could be more important and what could be more significant? So I'm going to challenge you as we think about Easter, let it be more to us than just putting on our favorite pastel outfit and chasing eggs. You liked that, didn't you? Chasing eggs. No, no, let us honestly, let's honestly and sincerely say, Lord, You've placed me on this earth for a purpose and a reason. And among them, chief among them, is to be a conduit, to be a vessel, to reach others with the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And that's why we've titled this message, this is the first of two. Because part of what I want to do this morning is to help you navigate it. If it's true that most of us haven't done it, then the question becomes, well, Pastor Ray, how do I do it? And how do I do it successfully? And how do I overcome my concerns and my fears? Can we just walk through that a little bit? Because this is what I do know. The God we serve, he ain't letting you off the hook. His expectation is that now that you have experienced him, is that you would bring others into this same encounter and this same experience. Anybody remember the woman at the well? Anybody remember the first thing she did after she encountered Jesus? She ran back into the village, the town, where she had been ostracized and rejected and marginalized and faced the very people that rejected her. And this is what she said. She said, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. The good the bad and the ugly. Look, you've got to meet this man named Jesus because he loved me in spite of my feelings. She had to tell somebody. And the truth is, if you have ever encountered Jesus, there is an urgency that will mark the rest of your life where you have to tell somebody. Anybody remember Peter, what Peter did? After he encountered Jesus in John chapter one, went and found his brother Andrew. You know what he said? I have found the Messiah. Because if you've truly been touched by the power of Jesus' love, you just gonna have to tell somebody, man. They just gotta tell somebody. The news of the gospel, the good news is too good to keep to yourself. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. 
This is not a sexy seven steps to your next level message. This is not 12 steps to your breakthrough. This is about taking seriously the last thing that Jesus said to his church. His last words to the church was reach more people. I got 12 of y'all here. I'm out of here. I'm about to give y'all the deuces. Y'all better be about my father's business. And 2,000 years later, those 12 men are responsible for every church that exists in the world today. Because they took that commission and they took that commandment seriously. Guess what? He ain't letting you off the hook. He ain't letting me off the hook. And I say this to you not as your pastor. I say this to you as a Christ follower. Pastor Jesse and I were just at the bank. And while I was in the, in the bank, guess what I, talked, what I started talking to the teller about? about getting them to church. Everywhere I go, I have cards on me. I didn't have card in my, cards in my, in, my, uh, in my wallet. They were in my car. I was about to go out to my car. Pastor Jesse said, hey, I've got a couple of cards. And I stood there, talked to the tellers, two of them, and we invited them to church. I do the exact same thing at my job, not just inviting people to church, but telling them about Jesus. Are, are you all with me? And over the next three weeks, listen to me, listen to me. If the statistics are true that eight out of ten people will come to church simply because you invite them because it's Easter, we have an opportunity to reach a significant number of people simply by sharing the love of Jesus with them. Now, if you've never done it before, I can understand your apprehension, and that's what we're going to navigate not just today, but two Sundays from now because next Sunday Dr. Rayma will be with us. So this is Hooked Part 1. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about hook part two. And I pray that God will stir a, 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 a fresh fire in you for evangelism wherever you're planted. Wherever you're planted. Wherever you are planted. That God will begin to stir in your heart a desire and a passion to reach more people. Because that's the ultimate reason you and I are still here. Are y'all with me? So last week, Pastor Derek with us, he gave us three assignments. I wasn't here, but I have his notes. Told us to do three things. Number one, he says, serve in an area of ministry for the next 90 days. Serve somewhere. Number two, he says, sacrifice. Give for an impromptu impact. And then the third thing he says was, seek out two new people to bring to church. That's our assignment from last week. I wasn't here, but I'm already thinking about the two people, two plus people I'm going to get here. Even if I don't get them here, that I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus about. Are y'all with me? Here's why it's critical. All right, so here's our anchor text. Here's our anchor text. Uh, it'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles with me, I'm old school. I like to turn pages. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 4, verses 18 through 20. This is our anchor text for this morning. We are hooked. We're hooked on a whole lot of stuff. Back in the 90s, some of y'all were hooked on phonics. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all remember that? I see a few people laughing. Uh, some people are hooked. You hooked on your favorite TV show. You binge uh, 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 Game of Thrones. There's a whole lot of stuff we hooked on. Right now, uh, for the next three weeks, uh, this is what we're going to be hooked on. We're going to be hooked on the things that Jesus says are most important. And we're going to learn how to reach people. All right? So this is more like a Bible study. It's a more of a practical message, recognizing that where he has planted me, he has planted me to reach more people. I want you to hear the urgency now, the urgency, the urgency that comes with the gospel. 
Notice in Matthew chapter 4, beginning of verse 18. The scripture says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. And they were casting a net into the sea. Notice that phrase, for they were what? Fishermen. They weren't preachers. They weren't pastors. They were fishermen. They were gainfully employed in the marketplace. Let me, let me reemphasize this for those of us who think that reaching lost people is relegated only to pastors. Notice who Jesus called. In fact, most of the 12 that he called, they were all non-ministry leaders. They were all people who were engaged in some capacity in a secular environment. Notice the two men that he's calling. He ain't calling a Pharisee. He ain't calling a Sadducee. He ain't calling a high priest. He called two brothers who happened to be fishermen because the gospel and the great commission belongs to every Christ follower. Everybody here, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're a military leader, whether you're a businessman, you're in sales, this invitation to reach the lost belongs to each of us. Are y'all with me? Man, you're quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Jesus ain't gonna let you off the hook. He ain't letting us off the hook. There's no way around it. The gospel, this invitation to reach people, belongs to all of us. Number two, verse 19, then he said to them, follow me. And notice what happens as a result of following him. I will make you fishers of men. Can I just tell you this? Reaching others becomes so much easier when I'm following him. Yeah, that there, there's, there's this natural progression that happens when I'm intimately acquainted with Jesus where his heartbeat becomes my heartbeat. Whatever he longs for becomes the thing I long for. And one of the reasons, I will venture to say, one of the reasons that most of us have lost sight of a lost and dying world is because we're no longer following him the way we should. Because if we were walking in close proximity with Jesus as we ought, our hearts would break for the things that break his heart. And so Jesus said, I'm not just sending you out to be a fisher of men. He says the first thing that is necessary in order for you to reach people is, number one, you've got to follow me. Again, the reason evangelism has taken a back seat, even in the church, is because we're no longer following Jesus. And we're making church about everything but reaching people. When Pastor Wendy and I began to dream about City Church, we said, God, make us a church that grows not because of transfer growth, but because of conversion growth. That the reason our church grows is not because Jack so-and-so left so-and-so church and came to City Church. Reminds me of the story of the guy who who was found on, a, on an island and he was stranded. And when the people came onto the island, they found this guy. And they, 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 
helped him gather all his stuff and they were about to return him back to his home where he came from because they just happened to land on that island. And then all, uh, they saw two, they saw his hut, but then they saw another hut in the distance. And they said, man, I thought you were the only one on this island. This is your house? He said, yes. He says, what's that hut? He said, that's the church I used to go to. You will get that on your way after Luby's. The church I used to go to. My delivery wasn't as powerful as I thought it was going to be. But anyway, what am I talking about? There will always always be people that go from one church to another. There will always be churches that grow because somebody moved from one church to another. But the healthiest churches are churches that are reaching the unchurched. And that's the kind of church we will become. It starts today. God wants to raise us up to be fishers of men. You think when people come to you and start telling you about their marriage problems, they're telling you that stuff because they want you to tell them about a counselor? No. Those conversations are happening because it's a door that God has opened for you to introduce Jesus to him. Yeah, sometimes you need to hold the hand and cry, but sometimes you need to point them to the ultimate solution, who is Jesus. When your co-workers come to you and tell you about their stressful day or their stressful week, it's not just for you to just say, oh, man, yeah, man, I feel your pain. That's a bad manager. That's a bad boss you're working for. No, no, no. It's about so much more than that. It's about becoming a fisher of men. Now, notice what Jesus was saying. He says, I'm taking you from being a fisherman. Oh, yeah, thank you. I got a, I got a, yeah, man, I got one in my back pocket. Thank you. Wow, looking greasy like Jermaine Jackson. <laughs> Jermaine Jackson with them finger waves on the side, be greasy. Y'all, y'all, y'all know Jeremy? It's true. He be shiny. Be that extra, I don't know if it's the shea butter or if it's hair product. But, all right, that's better. All right, let me focus on my message. Let me focus on my message. Here we go, here we go. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Okay, Uh, here's why I support. Jesus says, I'm going to empower you to do it. So Jesus empowers us to reach the lost effectively. So can can I help you with your fears and your concerns with sharing your faith? Jesus said, if, I, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. You don't have to do it in your own strength, your own power, and your own ability. As long as you're following me, I will make you a fisher of men. I will give you the grace. I will give you the ability to reach lost people. So how does that happen? Number one, if you're going to reach people... <laughs> If you are going to reach people with the gospel, it first of all begins with a Christ-like witness. <laughs> so what do we do first? We lead with our life before our words. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you is what I'm asking. Or would people exonerate you? Oh, would you be acquitted? Man, there ain't enough evidence. He say you're a Christian, but uh, I can't tell. 
So just let him go. No, no, the question is, if you and I were on trial for being Christians, would there be enough evidence in our lives for us to be found guilty? Yep. She says she a Christian, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of evidence because she leads with her life. Let me tell you what has, what has sabotaged our witness. It's because the church has become a lousy PR firm for the gospel. That what we're saying about the gospel does not match how we live. And so even before we open our mouth to talk, people are saying, bruh, your life speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. You, you, you complain more than anybody here at this job. You late. Had a friend. His son. Minister. His son says, Whew, mom, dad, I ain't never going to get married because I see how you and dad fight all the time. This is a preacher's son who said, I ain't getting married. He was about 13, 14. I ain't getting married because I see how you and mama live under this roof. So what you're saying behind the pulpit is garbage. So before we open our mouths to tell people about Jesus, we ought to show them how good Jesus has been to us first. There should be something attractive about our lives that is irresistible, that makes people stop and say, man, when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having. Y'all don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Because y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. When was the last time somebody just stopped you and said, man, with all this stuff going around here, you just, you just smile. But this is what we do, church folk. We jump in the mess with everybody else. And we badmouth the boss. We badmouth the company, the same company that's stroking you a check every single week, though. Got an attitude on the job. They gave you papers. You throw it on the desk. But you got a big old John 3.16 sticker on your cubicle. <laughs> Go to the restaurant and complain about the food and send it back three, four times. Leave the worst tip, but you got your Sunday best on. I'm telling you this because when Wendy, Pastor Wendy and I in Bible college, our fellow students said they hated working Sundays because the worst people just wait on were church folk. They were the rudest and they left the worst tips. You're going to tell somebody about Jesus, you don't even leave them. Minimum, my wife, 20%. Minimum. And even if the 20% is less than $5, leave no less than $5. You know why? It's a law called sowing and reaping. Lead with your life before you open your mouth to tell anybody about Jesus. Because what is sabotaging what you got to say is how you live. Remember Daniel? Daniel had a whole bunch of haters. There was 120 uh, 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 advisors to Nebuchadnezzar. 
and 119 of them hated Daniel. 119 to 1, and they plotted to bring Daniel down. And, and notice what it said. They went through everything with a fine-tooth comb and said, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, man. There's absolutely no dirt on this cat. There is absolutely no dirt on this cat. The only way we can trap this guy up is in his relationship with God. So make a law that says nobody can pray to any other God except this statue. Can you imagine that? Now, I don't know about you. Huh? What? Whew. There's a whole lot of stuff out there floating around. But Daniel lived such a life. His testimony and his witness was so impeccable that 119 haters tried to find dirt on him and could find nothing. They said the only way we can get this guy is in his relationship with God. You know why? Because Daniel led with his life first. And so when Daniel opened his mouth to speak, it was like E.F. Hutton, and most of y'all too young to remember E.F. Hutton, but back in the day in the 70s, it said when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. That's the power of the gospel. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus said in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they would what? Hear your great preaching. Hear the scriptures you can quote. No. Let your light so shine before men that they might what? See your good works. And what happens? What are they going to do? Hold up. Without me telling them nothing, they're going to glorify God just by seeing how I live? Yeah. Lead with your life before your words. That's how we reach people. There's a reason that multitudes follow Jesus. Jesus didn't wear all the fancy robes like the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was just an ordinary carpenter, but everywhere he went, without social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, multitudes followed him because of how he lived. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Y'all didn't hear that, did you? Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. So, so over the next three weeks, you know how we're going to reach people? They're going to see our light. And as they see our light, it will be a reflection on God. They will glorify God. It's like, man, there's something about you. And the difference is the God you serve. Are y'all with me? All right, about to wrap it up. I said I'm about to wrap it up. Like, did he really say that? Yeah, I did. Let me tell you the second thing that's going to require, we're going to reach people. Look, I'm, I'm serious about this. I want you all to hear the urgency with which I'm speaking. Urgency, urgency. There is tremendous urgency, tremendous urgency. Let me tell you something. Uh, the people that you and I live and work with are not promised another day. I know that personally since February 11th. I know it personally. Live with a sense of urgency. That family member that we ignore, that coworker that we dismiss, there is a reason beyond a paycheck. <laughs> the neighborhood you live in, 
There is a reason that you are there beyond just living in a nice cul-de-sac or a nice neighborhood with a good school system. You are there as an ambassador, as a representative of Christ to people who desperately need him. So number one, I'm going to begin to consider how I live because other people are watching. How many realize the moment that you say, I'm a Christian, the scrutiny goes to a whole nother level? And that's part of what we're uncomfortable with. It's like, man, I want to turn up too. But now I told them I'm a Christian, man, I can't do it. Y'all know that's what holding most of y'all back. Y'all won't turn up. So I can't tell them I'm a Christian. Because if I tell them I'm a Christian, then the expectation goes to a whole other level. Listen, lives are at stake, though. Okay, let me, let me move on. Let me move on. I told y'all this ain't nine steps to find your Boaz. Are y'all with me? Okay, number two, number two. Y'all ready? Here it is, here it is. Number two. It's not only going to require a Christ-like witness, it's going to require godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. Because again, lifestyle is one thing, but at some point you're going to have to tell somebody the good news. It's one thing to say, you know what, I'm going to maintain my integrity in all of my affairs, and I'm going to be exemplary in how I, how I live, but at some point you've got to open your mouth and declare and proclaim the gospel, and it requires wisdom, especially in a world that is contrary to the gospel, in a postmodern culture where people don't want to hear about Jesus, in a culture that of absolute relativism. Your truth is just as valid as my truth. So why are you going to tell me about Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you my truth. My truth is just as valid as your truth. So in order to bring people to the cross, it's not just about the witness. We have to use godly wisdom. And that's why Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who what? Wins souls is. It requires wisdom to reach people in this generation. And that's why you and I must follow Christ because out of that intimacy with Christ will flow his wisdom to reach people. Uh, this isn't in my notes, but Acts chapter 6 and verse 10. Acts chapter 6 and verse 10. Can you put that on the screen? Acts chapter 6 and verse 10. Stephen is before the Sanhedrin. And he's on trial, here it is, for being a Christian. Notice what the scripture says. And they were not able to resist ah, the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. This is me. God can so anoint you when you're walking with God, when you're walking with Jesus, he will give you uncommon wisdom for people's most difficult questions. He will give you wisdom. He will give you wisdom to answer their most difficult. But even when their questions are too profound. Listen to me, listen to me. Even when their questions are seemingly more profound. Tell them your story before you give them your theology. Because can't nobody argue with your story. I once was lost, now I'm found. I don't care what your theological differences are or what your beliefs are, but this is my story. 
This is my story and this is my song. And sometimes you just got to get in the room and just tell your story. In fact, that's how Jesus did it. Uh, the four Gospels, they're filled with stories that he used to, to communicate profound spiritual truth. Jesus didn't come and start telling them all these big theological things. He just told them stories that they could understand. Baby, why don't you come up and tell your story real quick as we close out? Yes. So I think this is a perfect example of why it's important to lead not only with your life, but to lead with your story. Just share that story quickly. Tess. Okay. So good morning, everyone. So here is a perfect example of what not to do. So my nail tech, uh, her name is Vivian, and she is, she professes to be Buddhist. And so I've been going to her probably about seven years now. And she does the nails of a couple of ladies that are Catholic. And she actually works out of her home now. I met her in a salon and then she went home. Um, at the salon, though, she sometimes they take you to the back to wax your eyebrows. And so she took me to the back, and then she was saying, oh, do you have any kids when I first met her? And I said, um, yes, I've got a boy and a girl. And I said, do you have any children? She said, no, I get pregnant, but I just keep losing them. And immediately I was like, I got something for that. Come on. And I said, please, I'm sorry. This is... When I said what not to do, do this part. I'm going to tell you the what not to do, how I did right with her at first, and then I messed up with her, but this is the right part. So she said she had trouble having kids. She would get pregnant, but she'd lose the babies. And I sat up, and I was like, you know what? I know it sounds weird, and I'm so sorry, but I've got to do this. I said, I don't know what you believe, but I believe in Jesus and I can lay hands on you and pray a prayer of faith. I said, you don't even have to agree with me. I'll get my husband to agree. But do you want a baby? She said, yes. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes. Can I stop I you there for a second? Because that was so good. <laughs> that I had to interrupt you. Listen, 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 listen. These moments in the nail salon only happen if you're following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, that's just a conversation. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you move on to buffing and waxing. But because my wife is following Jesus now, he's going to make her a fisher of men. She sees a moment where there's something of Jesus in her that says, here's an open door. I'm not saying walk around and every time you just preach, preach, preach at people. But this was an open door for her to share Jesus with her nail tech. Go ahead. So... Got one eyebrow wax, other one's not wax. And I said, I, I just have faith for, for babies. I've not ever had trouble having babies. Well, it was a long stint, but I never lost kids. And I said, I just have faith. I don't know why, but that was one of the things I left Bible school with, faith for babies. So I and, think, sorry, <laughs> she's about to lead with her story. Here's why she's about to lead with her story. Because my wife has prayed with people on the phone that she's never met who have had issues having babies. And God has miraculously blessed them with children. Are y'all listening to me? When those moments coming up, when they come up, you lead with your story, not just theology. 
Because nobody can argue with the story. They can't argue with the story. They will fight you with theology all day long, even with a woman with issue of blood. When Jesus talked to her, she started talking about theology. Oh, well, my people worship on that mountain, and your people, because people will fight you with theology, they will fight you with controversial statements. Lead with your story. Go ahead, babe. And so I just said, I just have faith for babies with it means I just believe that God can do a miracle. And I said, can I pray with you? And she said, yes. I said, can I just lay hands on you? Because I said, I know it seems weird, but you can keep your eyes open. And I said, you know, I'm just going to touch your stomach. I said, I can give you the name of my doctor, but we just going to, you know, trust Jesus right now. So I just prayed like I normally do because we were in the back room and I just, I didn't pray in tongues. I didn't want to, you know, just take her over the edge, but I just prayed in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see, Vivian, it is not by accident that I'm here. I thank you that you, before I open my mouth to pray, you heard Vivian's cry, and you're going to answer this prayer. And I thank you, Jesus, that you will do it, and we will celebrate. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And she waxed the other eyebrow. Well, now it's a year and a half, 18 months later, almost two years later. I go in. Now she's moved out of the salon. She's in the house, and she's doing a pedicure. And she said, Wendy. I said, hey, Vivi, because I've been there for a little while. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, your God has been good to me. She's a Buddhist, though. Mm -hmm. Who's been praying to her God? No answer. My wife prays for her, though. And the words out of her mouth. Your God has been good to me. There it is. She said, I've been waiting to see you. She said, I'm pregnant. And, I'm, and I start crying. I said, oh, I'm so happy. She said, yeah, yeah, me and my husband, we went to the Buddha temple and we, we give thanks. But your God has been good to me. Well, I haven't seen Vivian now since January because she just had baby number two. There it is. And so I will see her. Praise God. I will see her. Thursday, Thursday. It's been since January. That was the last time I saw her. So I'll see her Thursday. And again, leading with your story. Now, that was the, the first time. So she has the baby. So she does some nails with some Catholic ladies. Later on, she says, oh, tell me about your God. And it caught me off guard. And this is what not to do. I took her from Genesis to the resurrection in 20 minutes. Man. And you know what her response was? Woo, that's weird. And she's never asked me about Jesus again, but this is how I lead. When I was working for Women of Faith and we'd have our prayer calls, I didn't change my nail appointment. She'd be doing my eyelashes, and I'd just be saying, and I was the prayer call leader for the DFW area, and I'd just say, oh, God, we just thank you. We thank you that you're bringing people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And she was right there. So when we've gone through different things, she's been, and I've just, because I messed up, I went home crying, and I said, I did something wrong. I don't really know what I did wrong. I did the whole Billy Graham thing, Genesis to the resurrection. I didn't get to Revelations, but it just, it was wrong. And Ray said, baby, you just have to lead with your story. So now that's what I've been leading with the story. So she doesn't know this transition that we've just went through with our family. I, I just will call text her and check on her and so that's another way I'm going to lead because what she'll see is you can have a really tough time and still trust God so I'm looking forward to seeing her I'm actually supposed to do a, a homeschool visit 
And I'm going to have to cancel a homeschool visit because I don't want to miss an opportunity to tell her what we've been through so that I can highlight Jesus. So she's never asked me again about Jesus. I don't lead that way. I just pray for her. Um, there's been other times that I've prayed or last Easter uh, because I come out of Kenneth Hagin ministry. So I believe in speaking in tongues and oil and everything. So it was Easter time. So what I do is I get this cute little lamb. It was for the, um, it's like the beanie baby lambs, but they're a little bigger. I got a cute one and I anointed it with oil and everything. And I took it. I said, Oh, here's a little toy I got for baby Vivian for Easter. So I do like little slick stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, her daughter is speaking English. Her husband's Chinese. She's Vietnamese. The daughter is speaking English. So like, we'll just get her a little boy book. I don't anoint the books, but that's how I lead with generosity. I leave a good tip. I show on time because I have already exposed that I love Jesus. Um, I give her something for Christmas. She gives me something for Christmas. It's not even about the gifts. It's because when life happens to Vivian, I want her to be able to reference, well, maybe if her God could be good to me with this thing, then he can be good to me with that thing. So good. Amen. So good. All right, check this out. It is 1122. And I told you I'll go rap at 1118. However, that's right. My beautiful wife borrowed five of my rollover minutes on singular wireless. And uh, so, no, but I'm going to wrap up. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. You, 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 follow, you follow what we're saying, right? Let me tell you something. There's no greater joy, man, than that moment when someone says yes to God. I guarantee you. There's no more powerful, no profound moment when someone in their brokenness or even in their willingness holds your hand and you get to lead them in their prayer. That it, it's, it's, it's contagious. It, 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 there's nothing like it, and it has eternal reward. So we want to we help you with your fear. So number one, your lifestyle. Number two, wisdom, right? Tell, just tell your story. Just tell, for anybody who's not a Christian, when you t the idea of the resurrection is weird. They, they don't understand that. Jesus with the woman at the well started with a drink of water. Just talk about water. Just have a conversation around where those issues, where they have those struggles, okay? So, so this is it. Uh, we're going to pick this up in two weeks, but, but here it is. God will give you wisdom concerning the timing, all right? That's the first thing. When you're following Jesus and you have an opportunity to share your faith with someone, on the inside, it's not going to be this big, profound, uh, you, know, uh, 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 you know, lightning and thunder. And, but on the inside, there will be a sense concerning the timing of the opportunity. The Pastor Ray, what do you mean by that? God will give you a sense of where this person is in their journey. All right? Are they a seeker? Meaning, are they asking questions about God? He will give you wisdom concerning whether they, they have no reference no point of reference concerning God. That determines where you take the conversation. Notice what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Here it is, verse 6. He says, I planted. This is Paul. Paul saying, I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, but God gave the increase. Let me tell you how you become a more effective witness for Jesus. Take the pressure off of you to close the deal. Most of us think that we, when we tell somebody about Jesus, we got to close the deal. No, it's not yours to close unless the person is at that place. 
Sometimes your part is to plant the seed. Somebody else might come and water the seed, or you might be the one doing the watering. And how many of you realize that sometimes you got to water a seed multiple times? So don't give up on them. Just water the seed in prayer and love. So the first thing God will do is give you wisdom concerning the timing. Is this person ready? Where are they in their journey? In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, I got a whole lot of stuff to say to you, but you ain't ready yet to hear it. That's what he told even his own disciples. So sometimes people aren't ready for the whole gospel, but they're ready for your story of how Jesus changed your life. All right? Here's the second thing, and I got ahead of myself. Second thing, and then we'll close. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom concerning your approach, how to approach the conversation. And that's where you share your story, not just your theology. Uh, And the band can come. The team can come. John chapter 9, there's a story of a man who was born blind. And all the Pharisees, and this all happened on the Sabbath when Jesus met this man, and the Pharisees were making a big deal because Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath. And then the second question was, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was this a result of his mom sinning or his dad sinning? And so there was this big argument that ensued, big theological questions. Is this man blind because of his sin? And Jesus, why did you heal on the Sabbath? There are a lot of people that you will encounter when you have these opportunities to share your faith who will throw big theological questions at you. And that's how they will try to bait you. And that's one of the things sometimes, even as a Christian, one of the reasons we avoid sharing our faith because of these deep theological questions. We had someone who, who was a seeker at the time, and uh, they, one of the questions, uh, and the person is a believer now, crossed the line of faith right here in one of our services, and the person could bear witness when I prayed that prayer of salvation at the end of the service, and they raised their hand. I chuckled out loud because Pastor Wendy and I had been watering seeds that had already been planted. Listen to me, listen to me. This person worked in the education system. There were two ladies that she worked with who were Christians, who had witnessed with her, who had witnessed to her all the time they were on this job together. 16 years later, listen to me, 16 years later, she shows up at City Church because of the seeds that were planted 16 years prior, but she had never crossed the line of faith. When Pastor Wendy and I met her, we began to water that seed. We began to water that seed, and she had some big theological questions like, well, if Jesus is God, if Jesus is God, who's he talking to on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a question that eludes even the most brilliant theologians. But we didn't try to lead with theology. We just led with our story. And 16 years later, because Pastor Wendy and I watered that seed that had been planted 16 years prior, this young lady crossed the line of faith. In fact, when we baptized her, when we baptized this young lady, those two teachers who had planted the seed were there because they had been praying for her. Even though they no longer worked together, they knew that there was a seed of the gospel that had been planted. And even though their part wasn't to close the deal, they knew that there was a seed. And then there are two pastors who watered that seed. We didn't water the seed for six. We just watered the seed for a few weeks. But that seed was ready. And God gave the increase 16 years later. Don't don't fuss with theology. Just lead with your story. And and, and so they came to this man, and this man, and and this is what they asked him. They said, hey, man, uh, 
Who, the, what, what happened to you? How did this happen? This is what the guy said. The man who had been blind, who encountered Jesus and could now see, said this. They said whether, he said, whether he is a sinner or not, talking about Jesus. He said, y'all making this big fuss that the man healed on the Sabbath, and therefore he's a sinner. He said, look, guys, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You know what this guy was doing? He was leading with a story, not theology. He said, y'all go figure out the Sabbath. That's not mine to figure out. Y'all figure out whether he's a sinner or not. That's not mine to figure out. What I do know is my life was a mess until Jesus showed up. And he changed me from the inside out. And when we do that, church, when we do that, when we do that, and people see the evidence in your life, your life will become attractive. Just like Pastor Wendy says, her nail tech says, your God has been good to me. She made a distinction between her God that she took fruit to and the God that Wendy called upon that blessed her supernaturally. Not just with one child, but now the second. And that is the power of what happens when we follow Jesus. He he will make us fishers of men. Next time, next time, in two weeks, because next Sunday is our anniversary. We're going to have a guest speaker. We'll pick up Hooked Part 2. And, and, and I want to pray for you as we close, because I think in the days and the weeks to come, God will help us reorient everything about our lives so that we become witnesses who walk in the wisdom of God, who are reaching people, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ready, City Church? Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name.